Hello and welcome to How Many Geese. I'm Jack Baddams. And I'm Roddy Shaw. And if you're after a nature podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously, then we are the natural selection. On today's show... The wolf pigeons tended to overpopulate, run amok and cause havoc among the human population. This created the need for shark falcons. <laughs> Just finish with some notes here from Britain's top big cat tracker, who claims the UK has a healthy leopard population. What's the biggest animal you think you could carry and tape to a lamppost? A baby giraffe. It's literally the moment it's entered the world, it's been picked up and taped to a lamppost. So. <laughs> so, UK big cats. Yes. <laughs> I was hoping this was going to be here. So, I'm going to get into UK big cats, but I'm first actually going to start off with some other mythical animals around the world but not mythical in unicorn sense this started off because a friend of mine sent me a picture of a stuffed animal in a pub in cumbria which was half badger half fox have you heard of this <laughs> no i've never heard of it so it's called the cumbrian bogart and it was an april's fool's joke in 1988 submitted to the independent newspaper by the british bogart society <laughs> do you know do you which half is which the front half is a badger and the back half is a fox. Okay. And it's taxidermied together and on display in this one pub. And my friend was just there and this pub has a... They try and like hoodwink every, you know, like tourist who comes in kind of thing into saying it's real. But it was an April Fool's joke submitted to the paper, which took off enough for the, the item to stay in the pub. But of course, you know, taxidermied things... I mean, the platypus, when it first arrived, yeah, yeah. was thought to be a hoax. But anyway, so this then sent me down a bit of a hole into an area called April's Fool's Animals hoaxes <laughs> from around the world. Great. So I want to run a couple of these past you. Yeah. So in 1984, the Orlando Sentinel ran an article. Orlando being Florida. Orlando being Florida. So I've already, I've already got my, my expectations are high. Some of them could be ones run by the publication itself. So someone in the Orlando thing. A couple others could be submitted, but mm -hmm. I don't know exactly which is which. But all of these, when I say the year, it's April's Fool's Day of that year that this, this went out, right? So 1984, the Orlando Sentinel ran an article on the Tasmanian mock walrus, which was described as the perfect pet. It was a small, clean animal about the size of a hamster, which did not need a litter tray and ate cockroaches. And the premise of the article was that government was trying to block them being imported because they posed a threat to the pest control industry. <laughs> and they got the Tasmanian mock walrus. The Tasmanian mock walrus, a small, four-inch long, perfect pet, which was going to outcompete the pest industry. Now, I couldn't work out from this next bit whether it was the response to the article or it was included in the article to make it more real. Right. But it had pictures of people picketing government <laughs> were they pest control people saying keep the mock walruses away these were, were pro mock walrus this next bit is in the wake of the article the orlando sentinel got many write-ins from people asking how they could get a tasmanian mock walrus to help deal with their cockroach problem <laughs> now the picture that accompanied this article was a naked mole rat <laughs> of course now this next one, and you might see the theme here, is the hot-headed naked ice borer from April's Fool's Day 1995. Is this the Orlando Sentinel again? 
No, this is Discover magazine. Okay. And they published a brief article in its breakthrough section uh, about the discovery by wildlife biologist Dr. April Padso of a fascinating new species, the hot-headed naked ice borer. And I reckon you can guess. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to... I'm trying to the hot-headed. It's the hot-headed bit that's... So, Dr. Patso, the article explained, encountered this creature while studying penguins in Antarctica. She noticed a frightened penguin rapidly sinking into the ice. <laughs> and when she pulled the hapless creature out of the rapidly growing slush pool, she found a small, bizarre animal attached to its lower body. They were about half a foot long and quite light. Their unique feature was a bony plate on their head that they could cause to become burning hot, allowing them to bore tunnels through ice at high speeds. What? The picture that accompanied it? A naked mole rat. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we're learning is that naked mole rats, that if you're not aware of their existence... You can you, you run can, them under anything. It's a blank canvas yeah. that you can do what you want with. Yeah. It was slightly... I mean, I can show you it here, but... It, Badly photoshopped naked mole rat with like a bump on its head. Oh yeah, the, for the hot head plate. Yeah, to describe, there is just a mole rat's head with with a well. Imagine nineteen ninety five Photoshop. Yeah, yeah, paint. Yeah, MS Paint. <laughs> the next one, the nineteen seventy two issue of the Veterinary Record, which is the weekly journal of the British veterinary profession. Now, my initial thoughts is that these sound like people we should be able to trust. Yeah, so this is why this one caused, of the other two I've done so far, there didn't seem to be much fallout. It was just whatever some people wrote in to get a Tasmanian mock walrus. This one here, though, it's arguably the least dramatic, the most soft, but it's the one which caused a bit of backlash. Mm. Basically, what they did was they ran an article about the diseases of Brunus edwardii, which was described as a species commonly kept in the homes in the United Kingdom and other countries in Europe and North America. And what Bruno said Wardii was, was a teddy bear. Right. So the vet journal was writing about things you need to be aware of for a teddy bear. Okay. And the conditions that a responsible owner should be aware of right. was things like eyes hanging off, yeah. stitching burst and all the rest. And for months afterwards, basically all the cool vets got on board and were writing in offering new observations about the species. Just all the vets had a great day out. But then I bet there were some absolute jobs worth, though, weren't there? Oh, yeah. Noel Smith, who's got to be the driest vet in Christendom, wrote in, How three members holding sets of impressive degrees can waste their time writing such garbage in a journal that is the official publication of the British Veterinary Association is beyond my comprehension, as is your effrontery to publish it under clinical papers. Noel, mate, go outside. <laughs> oh, yeah, come on. No. Read the room, Noel. Everyone yeah. else is having a great time. They had little kind of hand-drawn, I don't know how to describe it, just very crude little diagrams of, like, a bear with alopecia, <laughs> and it's obviously a teddy bear that's just a bit fuzzy, you know. <laughs> was this just in one publication, or was this something that kind of snowballed on? Was this a, a running joke? It start, So the initial article was April's Fool's Day, but then it moved into the letters section right. to become a running joke yeah. for everyone except Noel, who just needs to fucking get a grip. Hope you're out there, Noel. Thanks for listening. <laughs> the last one that I've got before I go into the big cats, because I had a, a great little time just... There's so many, and they get weirder the more recent... Not that they get weirder the more recent, they get more 
like this, basically this one is, what year is this? 2009. And the thing I don't like about this is it is essentially a marketing campaign. Right. The thing I really like about this is how just they were like, fuck it, if anyone believes this, they're a moron. <laughs> it's called the Qualcomm Wolf Pigeon. <laughs> right, okay. So Qualcomm are like a, a tech company. And oh, when you said qual, I was like Australian qual. No. I thought that was an animal. Q-U-A-L. And they must do like mobile networks or some kind of like Wi-Fi infrastructure because they unveiled a plan to expand wireless coverage by implanting tiny base stations into wolf pigeon hybrids. <laughs> the wolf pigeons would fly around but also be self-defensible, form packs when needed, but go out as lone wolves to areas where you wouldn't normally have coverage thereby creating a strong network. I, so one of my first questions was going to be, why the need for a wolf? I think they've categorically answered that, and yeah. I can fully see their methodology. Yeah. Big fan of how lunacy, the, the sheer mentalness of this, yeah. right? Not a big fan of the marketing. However, what I like about this is how they went on to reinforce this by creating a whole ecosystem. It's the only one I can find where they back it up with other things. So, unfortunately, the wolf pigeons tended to overpopulate, run amok and cause havoc among the human population. This created the need for shark falcons, <laughs> whose objective was to keep the wolf pigeon population under control. <laughs> but then, not content with just putting one predator-prey relationship in, thinking ahead... Qualcomm engineers also anticipated a need to keep the shark falcons under control and had drafted plans for the crocodile, <laughs> the crocodile eagle hybrid, which would be four times bigger than the shark falcons. Quote, so they're always going to win. <laughs> the basic rule of ecology. Yeah. So it's the only one I can find where the hoax went so far to bring in a whole... A whole food web. A whole food web. I love it. And... They must have had marketing pictures to go with it. And so I'll just show you these. What these look like to me is, you know, have you seen the boys on Amazon? Only the trailers. Okay. Or where imagine any kind of like superhero or the Incredibles, something mm -hmm. like that, where the superheroes are almost in like a, a world which has marketing for them. Right. And yeah. it's like, Mr. Incredible, here to save the day. So it's like wartime <clears throat> propaganda posters. Yes, that kind of thing. That's what they've gone for with this. So they've got awfully photoshopped, literally, the head of a wolf on the body of a pigeon with wolf pigeon expanding wireless networks for everyone everywhere. And it's a, it's a wolf pigeon flying over a city. There's actually a couple of them. And then we've got shark falcon, which is the head of what looks like a great white with just peregrine legs sticking out of it, sat atop the Grand Canyon, preventing a wolf pigeon insurrection with ruthless flying killing machines. I like how the wolf pigeon insurrection is inevitable. But like, but also that's what you're subjecting us to. Yeah, it's like we've created this thing to give you better coverage. But don't worry, there will be an insurrection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we've got we got this in hand. Don't worry. Yeah, but don't worry about the insurrection because we have shark falcons. And then the crocodile is exactly photoshopped how you might think it'd be. Uh -huh. Crocodile head on the body of an eagle, not the other way around. Obviously, <laughs> that would be madness. And it's just one of them soaring across the sky with Crocodile saving humanity by keeping the shark falcon population at bay. So I'll just... Oh, uh, wow. It's, it's so much worse than I anticipated. Yeah. It's extraordinary. It's like, you said bad Photoshop. Yeah, like the most effort that's gone in, because as Photoshop has come up, 
taxidermy has gone down with these hoaxes. So like the Bogart in 1988, they had to stitch half a badger to half a fox yeah. to make it happen. But then 1995, they just put a bump on a mole rat. Well, I mean, in 1984, they just had a mole rat. <laughs> See, the order here goes just a mole rat, half a badger stuck to half a fox, mole rat with a bump on its head, and then the worst superhero teams ever of wolf pigeon, shark falcon, and crocodile. Big cats in the UK. So, what do you know of this? What I know about the big cat situation in the UK is obviously I think everyone everyone knows of it. Anyone who lives in the new UK knows that there are always myths and legends of big cats roaming the countryside. My knowledge of it is that there certainly has been in the past, and a lot of it stems to the bringing in of the Dangerous Wild Animals Act. Mm-hmm. When before that, you might be able to correct me. Anybody was able to buy a lynx, a puma, a, you know, whatever. But when they brought that act in, it required you to be licensed. And some people, I don't know whether they didn't want to be licensed or couldn't get licensed. And therefore, they just turned these big cats out into the wild. Yeah. That's my knowledge. And that there are people out there that claim there are self-sustaining populations of leopards and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So that there's basically two narratives, in a sense. There is the fact that a piece of legislation was brought in, which meant that, you know, people who had animals, they shouldn't just kind of turf them out. And they've been cited and kind of objectively recognised as escaped animals. There have been escaped big cats in the UK. There's things like a puma was found up in Scotland and it was then captured and taken to a wildlife park and subsequent analysis of its teeth showed that it had always been domesticated. It had Uh. never kind of, you know. So it's not up for debate that there have been escaped animals. However, these have pretty much always been caught, it seems, No one's ever been killed by one. You know, it's maybe like a lynx or remote Scotland or far away. There are then the nutters, (laughs) (laughs) basically. And these stem from a fringe theory, which is that the animals have survived the Ice Age. Oh, this is disregarding the fact that the animals were released in the, I don't know, was it 70s or 80s? This is saying that they've always been here. I don't necessarily think it's a one or the other. Like, you'd have to poll each one, right? But, I mean, some of them might refuse to believe that anything's ever escaped. But they're not saying it all started in the 80s. No. They're saying that... There are enough for it to count as a fringe theory. Bloody hell. With this idea that, you know, one of the most, I'm guessing, most densely populated countries got to be high. Yeah. You know? Well, there's what? Like, is it like 70 million people living in the UK? And also, we are a nation of from very, very early on, like naturalists, people that not only live on this tiny cramped island, but people that have thoroughly explored the island. Oh, yeah. If we had a wild, self-sustaining population of large carnivorous cats here for, when was the last ice age? 60,000 years? Well, it ended 10,000 years ago. Well, that was close. They're they're basically the self-sustaining population side. And things have been captured. 1980 was the puma that was captured. 1989, a jungle cat captured, which is kind of house cat size. 1991, a lynx was shot. So any cat which has actually been captured and seen has been recognised as something which has escaped. Yeah. Anything which has been believed to be the beast of whatever has never been found. <laughs> there's there's quite a lot of sightings. The one I always remember hearing as a kid was like the Beast of Bodmin Moor. Yeah. So the Beast of Bodmin Moor was 1993. Mm. 
some footage was examined by scientists and it was a black house cat about a foot long. Oh, that's disappointing. In 2012, in August, a lion was supposedly sighted. No evidence was found and Miss Murphy, a local resident, said it was her cat called Teddy. <laughs> the thing is, though, like, it seems that reports of big cats, they're, they're still an easy way of getting into the paper. Oh, loads. The Cotswolds big cat. I just picked out a few, but it is pretty much every year to two years. This last one. Cotswolds big cat, a 2012 analysis of a roe deer carcass, because mm. the enthusiasts were saying they're taking out the deers. Only fox DNA was found. So pretty much whenever science has got involved, it's either a house cat or a fox. A fox. Or Mrs. Murphy's cat. Or Mrs. Murphy's cat. Yeah, I mean... Teddy. Teddy, God bless him. I mean, he was a Maine Coon, which are the big... Yeah, big fluffy ones. Big fluffy ones, but... But still, the, the leap between that and a lion is still quite large. Yeah, uh, huge. So this year, there was actually a sighting of a big cat in London. But again, goes to... First of all, it was sighted in an area of London called Billionaire's Row. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sounds like the most plausible of all the ones we've heard. So yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was a serval, oh. which are the long-legged yeah. uh, African. You see them quite a lot on Instagram because if you do live in places of the world with looser wild animal laws, they do pop up as the luxury cat because it's like a cat the size of a Labrador, right? And they have incredible... They're the ones that can leap really high out of the grassland and grab birds that are flying over and things yeah. like that, aren't they? Like low-flying guinea fowl or whatever. Yeah. They can leap out and grab them they are amazing but again it was found and immediately recognized as an escape pet it yeah. was like walking up on people's patios kind of thing <laughs> anything which is the kind of oh the beast it's a fuzzy picture yeah house cat yeah. <laughs> like um so then just finish with some notes here from britain's top big cat tracker who claims the uk has a healthy leopard population excellent now she is rhoda Watkins has spent more than 20 years investigating big cats using her specialist knowledge to monitor their behaviour. Has she ever found one? No. Has she got any evidence of them? I mean, she has now gathered enough evidence to be certain of the presence of these animals in the UK. Right. This is the bit where I... It's not that I took her with less seriousness, but she honed her skills with the sand bushmen in Namibia. And there was something about that made me think, they're so good you would have found it. <laughs> it's it's like, you haven't honed your skills if in 20 years you've found nothing. What you've done is like a day course. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like to me she was on some kind of experience holiday yeah. where she got to spend the day with the Bushmen. Yeah. Anyone with honed skills is successful in their endeavour. You know. Mo Farah has honed <laughs> his skills. Usain Bolt has honed his skills. You've spent 20 years and seen a snap twig. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, over 20 years. Yeah. And she does this with her partner. And the partner's key to this. I don't want to cast dispersions over their relationship, if it's a hobby they both enjoy, or if, you know, one is just humouring the other. But she definitely seems enthusiastic. It's interesting. She does acknowledge that there's nonsense around the sightings of domestic cats. So it's a very interesting position to take to say, I have honed my skills. In 20 years, I have not found one. I admit that the sightings are sometimes cats, I admit that the sightings are sometimes escaped pets which are captured. However, in 20 years of finding nothing with honed skills, I can conclusively say there is a healthy breeding population of leopards in the UK. I mean, nonsense. On a couple of occasions, I have seen kills with carcasses you could not attribute to anything other than a big cat. 
a reminder that in 2012, a carcass that could not be attributed to anything other than a big cat was tested by scientists and conclusively found to be foxes. <laughs> and um, the thing is, scientists just don't have time for this shit. That's why these people can kind of get away with it for so much, because everyone else is too busy doing important stuff. Here we go. My partner is trained in military tracking and comes out with me. He is a great asset to the team. To the team? Is there more of them? The team of her and him. Okay. <laughs> so, partners, military tracking, he's a great asset. In 1988, the Ministry of Agriculture took the unusual step of sending in Royal Marines to carry out a massive search for the rumoured beast of Exmoor after an increase in the number of mysteriously killed livestock. Several Marines claimed to have seen a cat-like thing, but nothing was found other than a fox. <laughs> <laughs> so her partner is military trained and helped her. The government deployed the Marines and we found a fox. Once you Google this, it is pretty much on an annual basis. There is an account of someone seeing something, but they almost all end up as. Yeah, it comes up all the time. And it's one of those things that's shared by those people on your social media that don't really care about wildlife <laughs> until it comes to the fact that there might be a big cat and they hook, line and sinker, believe it. I guess when those, to my understanding, there was quite a large release of cats off the back of the Dangerous Wild Animals Act when that was brought in. I do wonder whether any ever did meet up and breed, but certainly there's no self-sustaining. The thing you need with that as well is you need the same species to be released near enough yeah. because... Yeah. The fact that we have such a rampant population of deer and nothing to control them is why we're talking about lynx and wolves and like reintroducing these things in the first place yeah and especially in like the highlands of scotland yeah. the conditions are arguably so perfect for a population of leopards to explode yeah. that if it was going to happen it would have happened you know 100 if anything we should be knee deep in leopards in yeah, scotland yeah definitely because <laughs> there's so many there's so many deer but i love the thought that I love the thought that they think they've been here undetected since the Ice Age. Since as long as human beings have lived in the UK, that there has been leopards yeah. that we've all missed, apart from her and her partner. But, but I mean, I they've mean, missed them as well, because they've got no pictures of them. No pictures, but honed skills and military training. But they have seen some sheep that have... Undeniably been killed by big cats, except when tested and it's a fox. <laughs> It's time for that part of the show where we take one of nature's magnificent animals and we pit it against Roddy Shaw in a fight to the death in our very unusual take on an animal of the week. Now, today's animal has been nominated by actually a friend of ours that we met in Madagascar, Izzy. Oh, yeah. Isabella Campbell. Harry has suggested the aardvark. Now, if you don't know what an aardvark looks like, the name comes from the Afrikaans, meaning earth pig, which kind of gives you an idea, but also doesn't really give you an idea at all. Uh, your imagination's still got quite a lot to do if you're just imagining a pig. They've got kind of big pointy ears, a rounded hump of a body, a long rat-like tail, and then this massive great big snout that they use for eating ants. Now, talking about their biometrics, the tail of the tape for this fight, an average weight of an aardvark, about 60 to 80 kilograms. They can reach over two metres long, so they're pretty big animals. When it comes to the weapons, the aardvark's coat is pretty thin, but its primary protection is it's got very tough skin. Very strong, powerful front legs. On the front legs, there's a flattened large nail, which is kind of somewhere between a claw and a hoof, which they use for digging, digging out ants. They can dig a yard of tunnel 
in about five minutes. Very, very powerful, strong diggers, whether that's digging tunnels to live in or to get their prey out. Key weakness. Mm. They can't bite. They're born with conventional incisors and canines at the front of their jaw, which fall out and are not replaced. Adult aardvarks only have cheek teeth at the back of the jaw. So, Roddy Shaw, my question to you is, how many aardvarks is too many aardvarks? A lot of things going on here. That teeth thing, didn't know that. Fascinating. Um, a weakness, I'm going to guess, is bright sunlight. I've, I've seen I've seen pictures of them like wandering around in the in the day. I don't think they have particularly well developed eyes. They're mainly on smell, but mm. I don't know whether you could particularly blind one. They just prefer to be out at night. Mm. This is tricky. This this is a real foe with a lot to consider. Because um, this is the first one where I think offense and defense level out. We're definitely above one, right? Okay. We're definitely above one. Okay. I'm not feeling immediately threatened. Like but, a, but how are you how are you defeating the one? What I keep circling back to is what happens if you grab the snout. <laughs> now I don't know what to You like, just make it angrier. Initially I thought to stop it biting me, grab the snout. I reckoned that my hand could fit round an aardvark's snout. Because they've got like an anteatery yeah, long. Yeah. yeah. But now I know they can't bite. So what was gonna be my attack is arguably irrelevant now. Mm. So now I've just got... It's a very weird foe. It's not Normally it's like, watch out for the teeth. Don't have to think about that. I think three. I'm not particularly threatened by some kind of tunnelling behaviour. I think it, it's, it's certainly quick, but it's not escape a fight quick. No. It can't bite me, but it's got this big claw. It's probably got thick skin. I think it's going to be three. My thoughts are, in this scenario, their one motive is to fight you. And I think if you end up on the floor and they can get those little hoof claws into you, then they're ripping you apart. Yeah, if it goes to ground, it's definitely Aardvark advantage. It's Aardvark, I think, yeah. They're very kind of all-terrain, build-esque, tough, yeah. strong and I, legs. And I can't see a way with by kind of staying on your feet how you can how you can fight off potentially even one Aardvark. It sounds like they're built like tanks. It does. Do you know what I keep coming back to, though, as well, in my, you know, always know your foe approach, mm. is what if I did it on an ice rink? Now, oh. I don't know what that does for me, because I'm not, a, I can skate, but I'm not Olympic, you know, I'm not. You're probably better than an aardvark. But this is it, I reckon I'm better at skating than an aardvark. Mm. And it's canny. It's canny, but I'm going to be quick, it can't really dig, probably can't dig through ice. I think three aardvark in an ice rink. Right, so you know how we like our nature hypotheticals? Yep. A mate came up to me with, well, he messaged me, he didn't come up to me, it was the times of COVID. And he said, I've got something that might work for your next podcast. It was like, I was in the gym and he said a random person, but I assume when you hear this hypothetical question, this is not a hypothetical question you just ask to a random person. So I'm assuming there was already a level of, uh, they were acquainted with each other. Yep. And the question was, you have an unlimited amount of tape, but no one else is allowed to help you. What's the biggest animal you think you could carry and tape to a lamppost? All feet of the animal have to remain off the ground. <laughs> and when I read this, I was like, well, this is <laughs> this is brilliant. But what a question to be asked randomly by somebody at the gym. So thoughts. Just again, I've got an unlimited amount of tape. You have an unlimited amount of tape. 
but no one else is allowed to help you. What's the biggest animal you think you could carry and tape to a lamppost with all feet of the animal having to remain off the ground? How far is the lamppost? Yeah, that's that wasn't specified, so I think that's up to us to come up with. I think a sensible distance would be maybe like 50 metres. 50 metres. I'm just trying to... Be, okay. The biggest animal I could carry... You've got to, I think as well, you've got to subdue this animal. Yeah, how compliant is the animal? Because <laughs> it's not willingly going to go to be taped to a lamppost. So it's got to uh, be an animal that you can get under control, carry 50 metres to a lamppost and hold it in place while, while you wrap the tape around it. Because while you're taping it, it can't like slide down. What kind of tape? I think we say pretty industrial. Decent tape. Decent tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decent, decent tape. tape. Okay. Not like... Poundland masking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're talking about decent. Decent tape. All feet, 50 metres, one lamppost, a baby horse. A baby horse. That's pretty, I think, close to... I was thinking along the lines of like a small deer. Yeah. Like a roe deer, yeah. maybe. Sheep, potentially. I think I could get away with a sheep. Oh, what about... Hang on. What about a giraffe the moment it's born? <laughs> so they're still useless, but... Sizable, and you can say it's a giraffe. You can say I, I taped the giraffe to that lamppost. Yeah, you don't have to qualify that it was a a baby giraffe or a giraffe that, by all accounts, had no idea <laughs> what, had no concept. It's literally the moment it's entered the world, it's been picked up and taped to a lamppost. So, <laughs> so far as it, <laughs> so far as the giraffe thinks, this is exactly how things are meant to go to plan. <laughs> I think we've both come to the same answer that it is a medium-sized ungulate. That's a sensitive Hoofy. word. Hoofy animal. Hoofy yeah, animal. I think that's because I think when you start getting to like the bigger birds, you're then talking about trying to subdue something like an ostrich or an emu or a cassowary. Well, those are the. I would when you said bigger birds, I thought swan, but you mean the, <laughs> you mean the bigger birds. Oh, that's true. That is, they are the biggest birds. Yeah, that's fair. Swan. I think I, I could definitely tape a swan to a lamppost, but I think I can I think I can tape a sheep and that's bigger. I was going through my head of animals I have seen lifted by single humans. So for example, whenever there's a picture of like we found the world's biggest anaconda, there's like ten people needed to hold that up. So immediately I know yeah. big snake, probably not no. the one. That's taping you to a lamppost. But also no feet. So, with respect to keeping the feet off the ground... Oh, hello. I don't know what this means. <laughs> yeah. You broke the system. Yeah. What yeah, the same for... Um... A marlin. <laughs> <laughs> if you're getting it from 50 metres away, the chances are that's not going to be the sea. So it's just going to be fo it's just going to be flopping around. Yeah, I think it's better if we stick to animals. As, as is said with the legs. I think deer, sheep, baby giraffe, baby anything, really. Baby... How heavy is a baby elephant? I was wondering that. I imagine hefty yeah i'm trying to think of like those old victorian pictures of zoos when you see them like doing everything to the animals and, oh, like, walking like a, them down the street uh, and they've got a polar bear on their head yeah, or whatever yeah and like, having tea on a zebra <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm just wondering if i've seen any pictures of anyone fireman carrying a baby elephant so to go back my thing was yeah like i haven't seen a picture of that whenever i've seen a picture of a big snake multiple people i mean really big fish they're always hanging by a crane with the guy next to them but I've seen single farmers pick up whole sheep. So I reckon that's maybe the, the one-man limit yeah. animal. I think one, one uh, aspect that we're ignoring here is the fact that you've got to hold it against the lamppost to tape it. So you've got to hold it with your chest. I'm and guessing you've got to have your chest like you've got the sheep against your chest 
holding it against the lamppost so that at least one of your hands can be free mm -hmm. to get that mm -hmm. first. And it's going to need quite a lot of layers of tape before you can then start moving around it and securing it in all other positions. I think I'm going back to Baby Giraffe because I yeah. reckon it's so functionally useless yeah. that it would just comply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Baby's a really great shout because it's, it's not going to fight back, and that's the key. And they're what? They're like six feet tall when they're born, but they're thin. They're thin, so you could probably just hold it by its head up onto the... <laughs> tape its head on so that its feet are dangling down, and then obviously support its feet so it's not in any great harm. So before picking the animal... Yeah. Like picking it up, not choosing it from the list. At the start of the event, can I like strap the animal up? Can I like get some belts? No, and no, no. no it has there's to no be like prepackaging. Free, it's, free it's, living. It's a free living animal doing its own thing, yeah. whether that be just being born or eating some grass or whatever it might be doing. Whatever else a hoofed animal <laughs> might do. It has to, to be doing whatever it wants to do until you come along and ruin its day begin the with an unlimited amount of tape we've not questioned the fact that you're you're holding an unlimited amount of tape in my mind it's like the tape is there waiting like in like in an olympic event where they whatever run and then cycle yeah. they don't do the running with the bike <laughs> you know the bike is there it's acknowledged that this is the second part of the task. There's an animal in a field. 50 metres from that field, there's a lamppost. And at the lamppost, there is an unlimited amount of tape. I think we've cracked the next big Olympic sport. It's just a line of animals and then the strongest people from each country. It's, a, it's the natural progression from weightlifting. Yeah. It's lifting an animal and carrying it, sellotaping it to a lamppost. Animal lampposting. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to How Many Geese. I've been Roddy Shaw. He was Jack Baddams. Tune in next Tuesday for the next episode. In the meantime, if you could follow us on Twitter, I'm at Roddy Shaw. He is at Jack Baddams. Follow us on Insta. He's at J.A. Baddams, at Jabaddams, and I'm at Slideshow Rod. Really hope you enjoyed the episode. Please feel free to tell all your friends, like and share, leave reviews. You know what to do. But thanks for listening again. Go forth and feed the geese.